The $1 bill. We use them almost every day in our coffee shops and vending machines. Millennials, listen up. Dollar bills actually do exist. In fact, roughly 58 million bills are printed each morning to ensure that Americans can purchase everything from cappuccinos to cars. But have you ever paused to look at what our money claims? In 1956, it was proposed and passed into law that all our currency declare, in God we trust. Yet, if you take a closer look at our money, you'll notice Latin phrases and symbols galore. Stars, stripes, an eagle, oh, and that weird pyramid on the back. Each has its own hotly debated meaning. But when I look at that pyramid, all I can think about is the Israelites, oppressed and enslaved by a tyrant. The first people, one might argue, who were asked to put their trust in God. When their chances seemed slim and their hope dismayed, as Pharaoh's armies pressed their backs to the sea, it was in God they needed to trust for the waters to part and for the Israelites to be set free. Which brings us to wonder today, is it really God that we trust? Or have our pocketbooks become our kings? It sometimes seems we live each day trusting only what we have and fearing what we need. What would it mean for us if we let the motto on our dollar bills speak to our needs, more than just empty words tucked away in our back pockets and purses? If we would stop just long enough to hear the words that they speak, our dollar bills want to know the question Scripture also asks. When it comes to our money and to our lives, is it in God we trust? Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you to Liquid Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Tim, and uh, we are thrilled you're here for our new series, In God We Trust. We actually have six campuses around New Jersey as well, several house parties who are watching today. Would you give them a hand and welcome them? We're glad you guys are here and joining us. Awesome to have the family in the house. As you can tell from our opening bumper, the name of our series comes from something we kind of all carry around in our pocket. Behold the, uh, the almighty right dollar bill. I realize no one carries really cash anymore, so we amplified it for you. If you pull uh, any, any bill out of your pocket, you will always see U.S. currency has that famous phrase printed on the back, in God we trust. And the United States actually adopted that slogan. It was back in 1956, and they began stamping it on all of our coins, printing it on all of our bills. But the truth is, it's a little ironic, uh, because when you look around, it seems like our trust in America is kind of placed in everything but God, right? Our money, our wealth, our health, our possessions, our security. Uh, a lot of us, I think, live each day with a spirit of fear, uh, you know, trusting only what we have, uh, fearing that we don't have enough. But in this series, we're going to ask a bold question. We're, we're going to say, what if we did something that's counter-cultural? Uh, what if... We shifted our trust in the almighty dollar back to an almighty God. And that's what this series is all about, learning how to handle God's money God's way. And whoosh, all the air just got sucked out of the room. Uh, because, oh, you're like, oh, no, I came the week. He's talking about money. Where's the nearest exit? You know, kind of thing. Relax, okay? Uh, money can be an awkward issue or sensitive, you know, especially in church. But it's a common theme in Scripture. In fact, if you open your Bible you'll find thousands of verses about money and our stuff. 
Uh, just by way of example, in preparation of the series, I was kind of reading through the book of Proverbs. It's like the Bible's book of wisdom. And I started drawing in my Bible little dollar signs next to every verse that mentions money. And in Proverbs alone, there's over 70 scriptures that talk specifically about biblical principles of wealth management. Now, when I say wealth, understand, I don't just mean like your income or, you know, your bank account. Wealth in the Bible isn't as much about an amount of money as it is about our attitude towards it. That is, do you and I live with a spirit of consumerism? This is all for me. Get as much as I can. Or a spirit of generosity. I'm so blessed by my Father in heaven. Everything I have is His. And He's given it to me so I can bless other people. Because God says, I want you to trust me in every area of your life. And that includes what's in your heart as well as what's in your wallet because the two are connected. Now, before we go any further, I do want to hit the pause button just to put everyone at ease, give you a couple disclaimers. Because whenever it comes to like talking about money at church, I always think there's always three ground rules. The first off, this is a 100% guilt-free conversation. So relax, all right? We're not going to like shame or guilt you, you know, like, oh, if you love God more, you'd give more money to church. Not going to do that, all right? We're not going to make you feel bad, like if you're in debt, you know, because, you know, like how foolish of you, right? Like we'd all be fools. We've all gone through that. Some of us are still in that. Guilt uh, is a terrible motivator. And secondly, I mean, most importantly, as Christ followers, we don't live under guilt, right? We live under what? Grace. God's radically free, generous love and forgiveness. So the generosity of our Father's heart is meant to inspire us. It's not to guilt us towards being generous followers of Christ. So number one, no guilt. Number two, when it comes to your finances, understand something. As a church, we don't want something from you. We want something for you, and that is financial freedom. It is hard to live in New Jersey, but believe it or not, I'm going to say something's going to shock everyone. We actually believe it is possible to live in New Jersey, one of the most expensive places on earth, to work, live, raise a family, and actually experience financial freedom and learn to trust God with your finances. You can actually imagine this, experience less stress, uh, less pressure, less debt. Imagine waking up with a sense of like peace, you know, and, and gratitude because you know you're being a wise steward of the stuff God's given you. So understand this series is really meant to encourage you regardless of your age or your income status. So if you're like a college student and you're, you know, you're just starting to get into a summer job to earn some money, or you're a, a single parent, you're trying to provide for a family of three or four, we don't want something from you. We want something for you, such as being debt-free. Uh, those of you in debt, I want you to imagine, imagine at this time next year, imagine if you were debt-free, how liberating that would be next spring. You'd be like, that'd be amazing, right? Well, good news. If you train your heart to trust your father with your finances, and you manage your money according to biblical principles, financial freedom is possible. We have hundreds of families sitting in our campuses today who've actually gotten out of debt over the last couple of years and now are living this lifestyle of financial peace and generosity, and that's what we want for everyone this spring. So that's our heart. Finally, just consider today's talk a family conversation. Uh, if you're new or you're visiting Liquid for the first time, relax you get a totally free pass today, okay? Don't, don't be here like, oh my gosh, I visit once. I knew it, they're after my money, right? That's how people think. They're very cynical in New Jersey. Today, I'm talking to our church family. What I mean by that is everyone who calls liquid their spiritual home, okay? So I want you to imagine we're kind of sitting around a kitchen table like a family, you know? You know the kitchen table talk, like it's safe to talk openly and honestly about awkward stuff. 
Uh, if you haven't learned by now, we talk about all sorts of awkward real-life stuff at Liquid, right? We talk about marriage and sex and money and kids, and that's just the kind of church we are. We really believe God's word is relevant, truth is relevant, and that it should apply to real life. So as a guest in our home, here's the deal. You get to pull up a chair and eavesdrop on a family conversation and find out how crazy we are, okay? Like, no expectations, no strings attached. You get a free pass today. In fact, I typically do a message uh, like this every, every two or three years because I feel it's really important that we're all on the same page as a family. Uh, we've had about 1,000 new people uh, join our, our church in the last, uh, you know, year or so. And so we want to make sure that we're all kind of moving in the same direction and understand our philosophy at Liquid. So if you're here, pull in a chair, just listen, but watch out because you might learn something too, all right? Sound good? So let's dive in. I want to start uh, by reading Proverbs 23, 4 together. And uh, this is where King Solomon, King Solomon's like the Warren Buffett of the ancient world, okay? He was the richest man in history. And King Solomon wrote these words. He said, do not wear yourself out trying to get what? Rich. Rather, have the wisdom to show, what's the word, church? Restraint. Now, as Americans, financial restraint is not something we're typically used to showing, right? Uh, our generation grew up on bad debt and easy credit. What was the biggest financial story of the last decade? Answer, the Great Recession, which hit families, but it was a crisis of our own making. Um, if you asked, hey, of our generation, like what caused the, the greatest recession in, in, in a generation? The answer would be this, Proverbs 23, 4. No one had the wisdom to show restraint. Now, again, you don't have to be an economics major to understand. The recession was fueled by very risky subprime mortgages that led to a total collapse of the housing market. So you had very reckless lending by banks and unwise debts taken on by families who couldn't afford it. So banks were being greedy, buyers were too, and we all paid the price. This is pretty incredible. Uh, since the recession of 2008, American households have now lost $16 trillion in net worth, okay? Which leads to verse five. King Solomon writes this, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely, I love this word picture, they will surely what? Sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. I want you to imagine your house sprouting wings. Bye-bye, you know? Your car, your SUV flying off like a bird. Your 401k, bye-bye, birdie, right? That's how it's been for a lot of Americans over the last 10 years. And and I get it. A lot of people say, well, I would trust God with my money if I had more of it. <laughs> I, I, I want to trust God, but Tim, I have income problems. In it comes, out it goes. <laughs> and where it goes, I don't know. And where does it go, by the way? You know, let's start there. If you took the average dollar in your pocket or, or in your bank account, where does the average dollar go? Well, if you're an average American, I want you to imagine this dollar bill represents your income, okay? Actually, I realize nobody carries cash today, right? No, some of you are like, I haven't what is that thing you're holding up there, post-it note? Uh, I wanna have some fun. I'm gonna ask the ushers at all of our campuses right now to come forward and they're gonna give you a gift today, okay? This is gonna be a little bit weird. Come on down, ushers, come on down with the buckets and they're gonna actually pass out, go move quickly at all of our campuses, come on down. We've got a sweet surprise for everyone. When the bucket comes down your row, I want you to reach in and take out an envelope. Okay, go ahead, pass it, pass it, man, go. And you're going to reach in and pull out that envelope, and I want you to shake it. Some of you are like, wait a minute. This is like, will I get struck by lightning? You will not get struck by lightning, all right? Just take an envelope out, and I want you to shake it. You're like, I don't know what's in there. 
Is, are you giving away money? It's like Oprah. You get an envelope. You get an envelope. You get an envelope. Everyone get an envelope. Don't open it yet. Just make sure everyone gets one. Take one. Pass it down your row, okay? Okay, so when you got it, shake it and wave it, okay? Come on. Oh, sh- oh I love it. Woo! Oh, I love it. Okay, okay, ready? On three, we're going to open it up. One. Now, keep careful. Don't spill them. One, two, three. Open it up. What is it? M&M's. Count them. How many did you get? How many? You got, you should have 10 of them. Okay, now don't eat them yet. Wait a minute, you. Ah! Oh. You have zero self-control, some of you. All right, you should have about 10 M&M's. In fact, I got more just so that you can kind of see here. Who, who ate some M&M's and you, you already, yeah, you already ate them. I see it over there. Here, here's some extra for you. Who, over here? Was that somebody over here in the back? Okay, you got it. Come on. Envelopes for every, okay, now here's the deal. I want you to imagine these 10 M&Ms, this right here is your income, okay? I'm gonna pour it kind of into a glass here that says me. Now, these 10 M&Ms represented your income. How do you think they would be consumed? Like, if you're the average American, how would you eat these, okay? The reality is I want you to pick out three, pick three M&Ms, get ready to pop them in your mouth, because 30% of every dollar goes to your housing, okay? This is, go ahead, pop them in, pop them in. Oh, uh, there we go, okay. This is your apartment, your home, your condo. 30% of every dollar goes to the roof over your head. This is not just a mortgage, this is your maintenance costs, right? Your home repairs, if the dryer breaks, like our dryer broke this spring, right? They're 120 bucks, you know? Where does the average dollar go, okay? You ate three. Now, get ready to pop two more because healthcare is 20%, okay? So this is the doctor's visits, your prescriptions, your insurance payment, if you need glasses or your kids need braces, 20% of every dollar goes to healthcare. Some say it's actually closer to 25. We're just gonna use round numbers. It's quickly escalating, you guys know this. Now, the next ones are fun because this is, you're like, you know, I didn't really have a choice in this, but this one I do. This is recreation and your personal needs. 20, 20%, two more M&Ms to your pleasure. So this is just like the clothes that you wear, when you go shopping at the mall, when you're like, are we gonna go to the movies, kids? Or you're like, hey, let's go to the, let's go to the Yankee game. You know, you have to take out a second mortgage and kind of go to the Yankee game. 20% is your vacation uh, or weekend at the beach. 20% of every dollar for your recreation personal needs. Now, look in your hand. How many have you eaten? About seven, okay? You should have three left. You guys got three left, okay? Now get ready. Where, where, do, these, where do you think these go? You've been already eating stuff in your face. Yeah, food. Food is 14%. So technically it's 1.4. Just, just, you know, take one and then eat. Well, just eat one. Let's round it, okay? This represents your groceries. This is eating out. This is when you go to Starbucks in the morning and give your morning tithe every, every uh, day to St. Arbucks, okay? 14% food. 14% is your ride. This is how you got here, your car, your truck. If you have car payments or you have a car fleece, sorry, I mean the lease, uh, that's right, as well as insurance, which in New Jersey is super expensive. Now, here's the question. How many M&Ms do you have left right now? Yeah, if, if you're average, you're just average, you should have one M&M left, which represents 2% of your dollar. Now, remember, what's printed on the back of the bill? In what? In God we trust. That's what we say. That's what we pledge. But the reality is the average American gives less than 2% 
of his income back to God or to help others, serving the poor, feeding the hungry, clothing the homeless, supporting the church, helping others. This is, this is a little bit of a disconnect, right? We all say and we mean, like, in God we trust, but then we spend 98% on ourselves, and then if there's anything left over at the end of the month, maybe I can spare just a little something to help a brother out, right? And I get it. It's hard. It's hard. No guilt, right? Everybody here wants to be more generous. I get that. Problem is we're like, we're, we're broke, Tim. There's like nothing left. You know, I, this is the problem. I need more M&Ms. That's, that's, we're all like, I got, pro- I got income problems. No. But from God's perspective, money is not about the amount you have in your wallet, but the attitude you have in your heart. Most Christians have this consumer mentality. But God says true generosity isn't about needing more M&Ms to give. It's about needing less to consume. In fact, I want to challenge you. With your one last M&M, don't eat it, okay? I want you too late for some of you, all right? Don't eat that M&M. I want you to save this for the end of the service. If you already ate it, steal your neighbors, okay? Just take it. It's how subprime mortgages work, people. Just, just take it from them, okay? I want to see if you can save one M&M by the end of today's service. Now, look at, now here's a trick question. You ready? Look at that M&M in your hand. I'm going to ask you a question. Who owns this? You, you didn't have it a few minutes ago. I gave this to you as a gift. Whose is this M&M? Is this yours or is it mine? Right? The real answer is, everyone, it's God's, right? And some of you are like, oh, I should have known. Trick question. The answer is always God in church, you know, kind of thing, right? <laughs> no, no, no. This cuts deeper. See, the most important thing when it comes to managing money is actually your mindset. And the Bible paints a very counterculture picture than we're taught in America. That everything we have from our incomes, our food, our homes, our job, our cars, our cash, all of it, the Bible says, God owns what? Everything. In other words, none of this is actually yours. It is on loan to you from your Father in heaven. Listen carefully to what your daddy has to say, okay, in his word. In Job 41, God says this, what belongs to me? Here we go, ready? Everything under heaven belongs to me. That's a pretty comprehensive statement, isn't it? In Psalm 24, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's, and what? Everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. In other words, so all the planets, all the people, God's like, it's all mine. And this challenges our American ideas of ownership or possession, right? God's like, okay, here's the deal. From my perspective, you got to understand something. I own the whole candy store, okay? Your car, your cash, your condo. I even lay claim to your life. Uh, 1 Corinthians says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Your father in heaven gave his only son, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to pay the debt of your sin with the precious blood of my son, and so I even own you. Now, if you let that biblical reality move from your head to your heart, everything, everything I have is God's. I don't really possess anything. Everything is on loan to me from him. You just start looking at life differently. That paycheck you received on Friday, God says, that's mine. That investment that you lost last month, God's like, that's mine too. Why are you so sad? You think I get heartbroken when Wall Street tanks? God's like, I don't, I don't get worried. I'm not wringing my hands up in heaven. God says, everything you have belongs to me. But watch, catch this. Because I am a generous daddy, I am going to give some to you. 
I entrust it to you. And that's the irony. We say, in God we trust, but you know what God says? Actually, I trust you. Whenever you get a paycheck, your Father in heaven is trusting you with a portion of his money. He's your master, but you are his M&M. You know what M&M stands for? You are God's money manager. Can you say that? Money manager. I'm teaching you about the ancient concept known as stewardship. This is interesting. Uh, in Bible times, the kings of nations would often go off to war, and sometimes it was years at a time the king was gone. But before they left, what they would do is they would appoint a steward, that is a servant, to manage the king's resources until he returned. So while the king was gone, the steward would manage his land, his assets, his investments, and when the king returned, he would return it all back to his master. Here you go. I managed it while you were gone. What's the point? Guys, your master is not MasterCard. Your master is in heaven right now, preparing to return. And when King Jesus returns, in between he says, okay, before I return, I'm going to trust you with my money, and in the in-between time, I want you to be my steward, my M&M, my money manager. So every week, God says to each of us, he says, here's, uh, here's $500 for you this week, or $1,000 for you, or $10,000, whatever. It's all mine, but I'm trusting you with it. And here's the deal. I want you to use it. Have, have fun. Meet the basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, provide for your family. But don't forget whose this is. I'm asking you to manage my money and watch the candy store while I'm away because you're my M&M, you're my money manager. And now, here's the amazing thing. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it the height of selfishness when God pours more into our life to say, oh, more? Well, clearly all of this is for me. Right? That, right? This is what Americans do, right? Tell, tell me if you didn't walk into work tomorrow morning. It's Monday morning. You go in tomorrow morning, your boss says, I need to see a first thing in the office, and you're like, I'm going to get fired. And he's like, no, just the opposite. Today's your lucky day. Uh, sales are up. Business is booming. And starting today, we are giving you a bonus tomorrow morning. Imagine this. If you received an unexpected raise tomorrow, tell me you would not immediately start thinking, sweet Aruba, here I come, <laughs> right? I can finally get that couch at Pottery Barn. Or I can upgrade my ride, right? That's our default thinking as consumers. We consume everything we're given. I buy stuff I don't need with money I don't have to impress people I don't even like, okay? <laughs> but the Bible says your identity is not as a consumer. You are a child of God, right? I am who I say I, I am. You are a son or daughter of the Most High King, King Jesus, and you're his steward and a money manager trusted with daddy's wealth. Now, I understand some of you right now have an objection because some of you, I, I know I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, well, okay, Tim, hold on. I mean, I get this. Like, I, I, I get we want to acknowledge God. Uh, but at the end of the day, Tim, I tell you, I have what I have because of hard work, okay? I got the promotion, not Jesus. Uh, I, I was the one working overtime, okay? I have what I have, Tim, because I earned it. Really? Like, like, Really? Really? In Deuteronomy 8, God warned his people against that kind of thinking. He said, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you what? Say it together. The ability to produce 
wealth. You may be, hey, I have what I have because of my intellect or ability. Well, who gave you those gifts in the first place? Who, who, who gave you uh, the brain that you have, the family you were born into? Who gave you the ability to get into that college? Or, 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 or who gave you the talent to do what you do? If you're here this morning at one of our campuses and you're like, I'm blessed. I have good health. I have a job. I have a steady income. Is that something you maintain? See, we forget this fundamental truth until crisis hits and it wakes us up to this reality that everything we have and everything we work so hard for, all of it is a gift from your daddy in heaven. God is the giver of every dollar and every dime and you're just his money manager. I'm a steward, I'm a servant, which is why God gave an ancient practice to train our hearts to trust him. And it's called the tithe. Can everybody say that word? tithe, all right? This is Bible basics. This is like stewardship 101. We're going to get like into more advanced stuff. How do you deal with debt? All that kind of stuff. But today I was just like, I just got to lay the foundation for this so you get God's heart. And I want to show you what I think are the two most challenging words in the Bible. They appear in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, or as people in New Jersey like to say, Malachi, the Italian prophet, right? Malachi. It's pronounced Malachi. And it's the last book in the Old Testament. And let me just lay it out. By this moment, Israel had drifted far from God's heart. Okay, their nation actually had imploded. They're at war with their enemies. Their economy was in shambles. And Malachi is God's final attempt to reach back out to his kids one last time, saying, I want to repair the relationship with you. And in Malachi 3.8, here's what God says to his people. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? And God's answer, in tithes and offerings. In other words, God's like, I want you to, to trust me as a nation. Why? Because I want to bless you guys. And they're like, that sounds good. We'd like to get back to being blessed. And he says, well, let's take some steps. How about the first step is this? Um, Stop ripping me off. And they're like, what? You're robbing me. And they're like, how do we rob you? And God says, you rob me in tithes and offerings. Now, that word tithe literally translates to tenth or 10%. God says, I want you to return the first 10% of your income to my house, the church. When every, every dollar you get, I want you to honor me first in your finances, and you give me a dime out of every dollar. And that's what the Israelites did. They took the first 10% or tithe of their income. Now, most of them were farmers. So we're talking about whatever they earned, grain, wheat, cattle, sheep, they return the first 10% off the top, the gross, not the, not the net. Before anyone else got a cut, God said, I want you to put, I'm putting this in your hand, but watch, I know you got a sweet tooth. I know net left to your own devices, you're going to eat every one yourself, but that's not the path of life. That's not the kind of heart I have. God is a giver. He's not a taker. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give away. I give your daily bread. I gave my son Jesus to forgive your sin. And as my child, I want to raise you to be just like daddy and have a generous heart like me. So I want you to give the first thing you do. Before you spend the rest on yourself, give me the first tenth, 10% of what I have blessed you with as a way of managing my money. Because if you honor me with this tithe, watch this, I'll know I can trust you as my steward. So every Israelite for hundreds of years, what they did is they brought a tithe to the temple. They brought the first 10% of their income to their church as a way of saying, God, we're honoring you first in our finances. And that's really what the tithe is about. Think of it this way. It's God training our heart 
through our, through our wallet, through our checkbook. He's saying, I want to train you to trust me and put me first. And that's what the tithe is. It's a spiritual discipline. It's like fasting. It's like prayer that has carried over thousands of years to today. Now, in 2018, the modern equivalent is returning your tithe, 10% of every dollar you earn, to the local church. That is the place you're spiritually fed. Notice he talks about the storehouse. That's where it was. That's where they fed people from, from the church. And that's why we receive tithes and offerings at every worship service. If you've ever been to our church and you're like, why do they always receive? They always say now's the time for our tithes and offerings. When I was a little kid, I remember sitting in church and hearing that. And I always thought the pastor was saying tithes and offerings. Did you think that, Dan? I literally thought everyone's going to take off their necktie and put it in the offering plate. That's why we wear tithes to church. You know, I didn't know what it is. But understand what this is, okay? A tithe is not a religious tax, okay? This is not like, you know, dues at the country club. Like, okay, now I become a member of the church. Now I tithe it. I pay. It's not that. The tithe is not a tip. It's not like, did you like the service? Thumbs up, thumbs down, too loud, too soft, right song, wrong. It's not a tip. The tithe isn't fundraising. This is not like God's idea for like, how do you pay the church electrical bill? It is one of the ways we worship God. It's the way we say, God, my whole life is a blank check. And I'm trading my heart to put you first in everything and acknowledge everything I have depends on you, Daddy. And my total dependence is on you. And so whenever you tithe, it's just a way of symbolically saying, I believe everything in my life comes from my Father in heaven. Daddy, thank you. I realize I'm just your money manager. But there was a problem in Malachi. Did you see it? What did God claim? He said, will a man or woman rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes, in offering. God's like, I gave you 90% to live on. And you won't return a dime. In your moment of greatest need, you actually cut me out of the picture. And because of that, there's consequences. Look at verse 9. This is a disturbing verse. God says, you are under a what? A curse. The whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Now, what is a curse? This isn't like the evil eye, I'm going to hex you kind of thing. It's Jason in the Bible. It's the opposite of blessing. Instead of God pouring out his, his favor in your life, he says, you want to do life without me? Okay. God's a gentleman. He will withdraw. And nobody wants that, and so he gives them the solution. In verse 10 of Malachi, he says, bring the what? Say it together, church. Whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, I want you to bring the whole tithe, not what you have left over after taxes, not what's left at the end of the month. The whole tithe goes to God first. What does that mean? So if God gives you 10 M&Ms, right, that means you give every week one back to God. If God's given you 100, you give what? 10 back, right? If God's given you 10,000, you give 1,000. If he's given you a million, you get the idea. You understand? Your father is trying to train his children how to manage his money. And this is so cool. If you're a father, you know this. He didn't tell his kids, kids, I want you to live above your means. He didn't even tell his kids, kids, I want you to live within your means. He said, kids, I'm going to train you to live below your means at 90% with mandated margin. God's people were not to exceed their limits, but learn to live on less and trust God to bless the rest. So practically speaking, what's that mean? It's pretty simple. If you, are, you, just, you, know, if you earn $2,000 a month, 
Returning $200 back to God, that's no stretch at all because it's all his. Before the government takes a bite, you give God the tithe, and it just extends proportionally. If God's given you the ability to earn $50,000 a year, returning $5,000 annually, well, is, that's just natural. You return it to the storehouse, the church, the place where you're spiritually fed. And this is where the rubber meets the road, right? Because I told you at the beginning, the average American Christian gives less than 2% of her income. In other words, we make a living out of robbing God. We, we may want to give more, but we're like, there's just a problem. I'm out of money, but there's still more month, right? But watch this. God's about to make a stunning promise to his people. In fact, this is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, I want you to test me. This is, this is so cool, right? The Bible, you, we all heard that, right? Don't put the Lord your God to the test, except in one area, God says, one area called the tithe. Look at this challenge that God lays down in verse 10. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the what? The floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you ain't going to have room enough for it all. Guys, I want you to highlight those words in your Bible, test me, or take a screenshot in your notes. God says at the end of the day, the tithe is a test. It is a test of your heart. Do you truly trust me? And it's a test of God's character. Do you believe I'll be faithful? In other words, every time we tithe, God says, when you put me first in your finances, I want you to test me and see if I can't uh, be trusted to open the floodgates. You guys know what floodgates are? In a city, they're literally, it's like it's what held back the reservoir, the city's water supply. These giant gates held them back. And God says, when you tithe, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven, and it's going to start with a little trickle, and then it's a stream, and then it's a river, and I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you won't be able to contain it all. And just when you think you haven't attained it all, right? It's this picture of surplus. It's a picture of blessing. It's this picture of abundance. It's a picture of more than enough. God says, when you trust me with your tithe, I promise to bless the rest. And suddenly you say, I, I, I didn't think I had enough, but somehow I, I actually have, I've got more than enough. Folks, this is a fundamentally different way of looking at life. Our world tells us spend every last cent on yourself because all those M&Ms are yours, and now you're going to have to worry about the rest. And God says, I want you to trust me, and when you return the tithe, you pass my test. You actually show with your actions, in God you trust, and now watch, God says, I can trust you with more, because I know you're not going to spend it all on yourself. See, tithing is a test. It's a test of your childlike faith and the faithfulness of your Father in heaven. Now, I get it. 10% is a lot. And you may say like, hey, what about my student loans? You know what God says? Test me. Uh, what about my job situation? God says, uh, test me. What about my house? Test me. God says, I want you to take a challenge because I believe if you trust me, you won't have room to contain the blessing I plan to pour out in your life. And folks, this is the secret. When you bring the full tithe with open hands to God, God says, I open my hands extra wide to you. Can I ask? What would it be like for you to take God up on that challenge this spring? What would it be like for you to test God with the tithe? I, I'm, I'm talking to everybody, like whether you're a college student and you're going to, you know, work at a, you know, a cupcake business or a, you know, a sub shop, or you're a business owner and you're looking at your retirement portfolio, God is giving you a challenge. 
He's saying, God, you, you can keep 100% for yourself. My precious, it's all mine. And God says, you're going to live with a curse. That's what Malachi says. Or you can return 10% to God and receive his blessing. That is literally the tithe challenge that Malachi confronts us with. Test me in this. You can't outgive God. God says, see if I can't be trusted to lead you into a life of financial freedom that brings the blessing of heaven in your life. And guys, that's why I'm pleased to announce today, we are doing a 90-day tithe challenge this spring at every campus starting today. I really believe the Lord wants to challenge those of you who've been holding back in your finances the chance to take God at his word. So in your seat or on, in your program is a card that looks like this. Can you take that out? It's kind of when you walked in today, maybe it was on the seat. It says, in God we trust there. And on the back it says, 90-day tithe challenge. Might be in your program at one of our campuses. Just take it out and wave it real quick. Okay, fan yourself. I'm getting hot. All right. And here's the challenge. This is super simple. Just listen to this. I challenge you. No. God challenges you. For the next 90 days, three months, return the first 10% off the top of your income and tithe it to the church. And you test God's promise in your life. See if the challenge of Malachi 3 doesn't come true. That there's more overflow, there's more blessing. In fact, here's the deal. We have such confidence in God's ability to provide for you because we've seen him do it in the lives of thousands of people in this church. This 90-day tithe challenge comes with a money-back guarantee. If after 90 days you don't feel like God has blessed your life, we will refund 100% of your tithe, no questions asked. Have you ever heard that before? We'll give you 100% of your money back at the end of that because we really believe the truth of God and his word. That when you give back your best to God, he promises to bless the rest. That blessing we've seen come in people's lives in all sorts of ways. For some it is material. God may give you a new power to get out of debt, a new discipline in your spending. He may provide for your family in a way you didn't even see coming. It may be emotional or relational blessing. You get this sense of peace finally in your life, insanity in your home. It may be spiritual. It may just, it may be like fasting. You're like, at first I thought it was about losing weight, but then I just drew closer to Jesus and I fell in love with him. It's intimacy with God. Not because God's obligated to pay us back. God doesn't owe us anything. But because when we demonstrate, God, you can trust us. That's the goal of any father, isn't it? Think about it, right? I'm a, I'm a dad. That's my goal as a daddy. If my kids, we give my kids an allowance. If my kids are wise with their allowance, we actually train them to tithe 10%. I trust them with more. When we stop holding so tightly to our stuff, God opens his hands to us. Don't believe me? Guys, I am not a paid salesman. I am a satisfied customer. Colleen and my, my wife, Colleen and I, we have built our life. We have built our family. God has built this church on the principle of tithing, and we have seen God provide 100% true on his word. When you give to God off the top, he will bless your life in ways you can't imagine. There are actually hundreds of families in this room at every campus who have taken the tithe challenge over the last couple of years and see God's power. Families like my friend Beth. Beth is a, uh, a single mom at Liquid, and she's sitting in the seats. She's actually sitting in the seats you're sitting in today. Beth is a wonderful woman of faith, but you guys know it's a challenge living in New Jersey on one income, trying to raise kids with special needs. But Beth wanted to obey God, and she felt the Lord nudging her to take the 90-day tithe challenge two years ago. I want you to listen to her story. 
When I heard Pastor Tim talking about the 90-day tithing challenge, I got kind of excited about that because I love a good challenge. And I, I felt that, that God was tugging at my heart. It was actually after the 90-day challenge was over and I was continuing to tithe that uh, my marriage started moving toward divorce. It had been troubled for quite some time and we just uh, decided that it was time to divorce. I was uh, very, very concerned about my status as a single mom taking care of a beautiful son with special needs. I felt like maybe I needed to keep more of my income and I got very scared. I thought maybe maybe God would understand if, if I just let up a little bit. On, uh, on the giving. But then I, I just said to myself that I had always wanted to do this, that God wants me to be obedient, that God wants me to give and to give joyfully. And so I worked my way through it, uh, kept up with it despite the challenges. I think the tithing helped me draw closer to the Lord by helping me to realize what was important and to trust Him with my finances. I'd been so nervous and worried that I wouldn't be able to, to continue to tithe and keep my house running, uh, keep, us, keep us safe. And uh, I just let it go and I just decided to trust God. Probably about seven or eight months ago, things just really started to, um, to smooth out. We started to heal uh, post-divorce. Um, my son is in a great place now. We, we have a peaceful atmosphere. I would say to anyone who's on the fence and thinking about taking the 90-day tithe challenge, it's really, it's not even about the money. It's about that God wants your heart and God wants you to be faithful and obedient and to really give cheerfully. You can't outgive him. Can we thank Beth for sharing her story? It really is powerful. We have hundreds of families who could tell a similar testimony. Families who took the 90-day tithe challenge a couple years ago and they never looked back. They experience the blessing of God in remarkable ways. We have families who got out of hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt in those two years. People who received new opportunities at work or maybe an ability to save for their kids or college. They changed the legacy, a new capacity to be generous to others. So here's my challenge. If you're not currently tithing today, you realize, heart of hearts, you've been robbing God in this area of your life. I want to challenge you right now to fill out this card in your hand. Just click a pen. We gave you a pen at every campus. Want to hear clicking of pens. And I want you to check the box that says, yes, send me more info about the 90-day tithe challenge. So this is not a legal document. You're not signing up. You're just saying, I'm interested. Send me more information about it. And I'm going to email you a link to sign up. Now, this is not, again, binding. This is just asking for more info. But when you sign up, we're going to send you a free book. And the book is called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. This is one of the most powerful books on stewardship. It's a life changer. But saying, I'm interested in possibly testing God, it's a way of saying, God, I trust you. And guys, this could be a game changer for some of you. I know so many families who are struggling to get out of debt for so long. And can I be honest, so many of you, you're like, you've, like, you've come up with a plan. You know what's missing? The power of God behind your plan. So for the next 90 days, how about we try something new? Instead of offering God your leftovers, let me challenge 
Give him your first fruits, your first 10%. There's a lot of people who say, well, I think, I think Tim, I don't know if that's financially wise. I'm not talking about, I'm not a financial planner. A lot of people say, I, I got to pay off my debts to men before I tithe to God. Really? Really? Like, like as a Christ follower, your first debt is to God. If you pay your debt to God, then guess what? You get his power to pay back your debt to man. But if you rob God to pay men, you rob yourself of God's blessing and just dig a deeper hole. It's like compound foolishness, okay? I have seen this hundreds of times. For many families in our church, tithing is the spiritual breakthrough that they've been seeking. Remember when Jesus said, I told this to you in February, Jesus said three things. He goes, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. Yeah, tithe. He's like, these are the three pillars of the Christian life. So I'm just teaching you the basics, right? We, we fasted for 40 days. It was a breakthrough for some of you. Giving is next. Maybe you come on Sundays, and I just, the candidly, maybe you're a tipper, not a tither. You know what I mean? That's how I did it when I first uh, got out of college. I went, I was like, I got no money. I, I got some debt, like loans and all that. And so whenever I went to church, I always gave a tip, which basically meant whatever was in my wallet, you know? So the, the bucket would come around, and I would, I'd be like, I'm tithing $5 today. That's not a tithe. You can donate $5, but it, if it's not 10%, it's not a tithe. So let me challenge you. If you're a tipper, let me challenge you to become a tither for 90 days. Remember, there is no risk. Like, this is all on God. This is not about us. It's not as a church. Like, oh, we need your money. It's not. We are like, put God to the test and see if he doesn't come through. And if you feel he hasn't blessed you, money back guarantee. We will refund 100% of your tithe, no questions asked. How many people have done that? Proof is in the pudding. We have now had over 1,000 families at Liquid take God on his 90-day tithe challenge. Over 1,000 families. Do you know how many have asked for their money back in our history? Three. Three people out of 1,000 were 1,000. So that's 0.3%. Two of those families had a medical emergency. Again, guys, I'm not a paid salesman. I'm a satisfied customer, and I can testify to the power of this in my own family's life and in the life of this church that you're sitting in. Some people don't know this if you're new. Um, Liquid is a tithing church. You know what that means? It means every year we take the first 10% off the top of our budget, and we send it right back outside these church walls to serve people who can't possibly pay us back. So when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the homeless, when we throw a prom for kids with special needs, when we provide clean water for the poor in Africa, when you tithe, understand our church tithes, that's how God cares for the poor. So we hold to the highest levels of integrity and financial transparency. In fact, this is kind of cool. I should mention this. Dave Brooks, our executive pastor, does a phenomenal job with his team. Can we hand it for them, by the way? Our financial team, they're incredible. When you give, you can give with like 100% confidence because every year our church goes through an annual audit as a nonprofit 501c3. We have an open book policy, happy to show you the results. We pass with flying colors. And this year, we received our certification from ECFA, that's the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. It's like the gold seal, the highest level of financial accountability and stewardship among nonprofits, Christian churches. So understand, you can give with confidence, and we have thousands of families who just say, you gotta see what God does. Ask them and we'll tell you. They would say they've been through seasons of want, seasons of plenty, but in every season, their Father in Heaven has been faithful. Why? Because in God we trust. Amen? It all started right here with the tithe. You still got that M&M? Did you save it? Did you eat that? You can pop it in your mouth right now. Oh, so close. 
It's got an M on it for a reason. You know what M stands for? Malachi. <laughs> you are God's M&M. You're his money manager. And he is challenging you. I want you to test me. Bring the full tithe for the next 90 days. And you can just complete this card and drop it in the offering bucket when it comes around the next 60 seconds. You can sign up online or on the mobile app. We've got it everywhere. But don't wait, okay? Start today, this spring, whether you have a summer gig at Starbucks or you just got your first job or a promotion, give God your first and your best. Why? Not because he needs your money, because he wants your heart. And when you put God first, he promises, I will bless the rest. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much um, for not leaving us orphans. Uh, we're children of God, sons and daughters, and you're a good father. And you have given us your word. God, the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. And you've taught us today the basics of managing your money. God, we just admit, we thank you for being so generous. The only reason we're here is that you so love this world that you gave your only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God, we already have eternal life. Everything else is just gravy. And so, Father, I pray that as your children take a step of faith today, God, bless those who are blessing the poor, Father God. Put your hand of favor, God, on, bless, on, on families, God, who are in debt. I pray you'll give them a new power, Lord, to break the appetite of consumerism and walk in financial freedom. God, we thank you for all the work and ministry that goes out of this church from the generosity of your people. But God, we just say today, we cannot give you. Thank you for being a good, good father. We humbly and gladly return this to you. In Jesus' name, everyone prayed? Amen. Okay, I'm going to invite the ushers forward at all of our campuses right now to receive today's offering. So ushers, you can come forward to receive the offering. And as you prepare to give your tithes, not tie, an offering, I want to speak to three groups of people. First, to those of you who are already tithing, thank you. You know, from my heart to yours, thank you. You, you are the reason we're able to have this kind of impact and see God do incredible things, lives changed. If you are not tithing, you're going to take your 90-day tithe challenge, just drop your card in the bucket. Just drop this card in right now, and we will be in touch with you this week. We'll send you a free book when you sign up. There are always three ways to give. You can give in the envelope. That's prepaid. Drop in the mail. You can give through your mobile device. We're on our app now, which is safe, secure, very simple. You can always give online. However you give, whatever you give, from my heart to yours, thank you. You guys are the greatest church in the Northeast. I praise God for your generosity. You can remain seated for our closing worship song.